What's up, everybody? Just want to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite art. And uh, I have a bunch of Jungle Television t-shirts. They are heavy in my rotation and just always blown away by the things that he is making. The Mushroom Hunter jackets are some of my favorites. Those are really dope. But yeah, if you need jackets, shirts, hats, just prints, very cool prints, um, hit this dude up. The Jungle Television link will be in the episode notes along with the Instagram tag. And if you use the code DCP at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your next order. So take advantage of that. Check out the uh, the Jungle Television Instagram, Cruise Alex's designs. Um, they're very, very dope. And next level, appreciate his support and sponsorship of this thing. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of the iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Appreciate you for just tuning into the thing. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances. And if you just hit my Instagram link, you will find uh, the links for everything else through there in the bio. And all of that will be in the episode notes, including the link for my guest on this week's episode of the podcast, Sherbert, the Portland-based beat maker and producer. Stoked to share this chat that I had with this dude. And uh, we will get into it momentarily. Sherbert's got a bunch of music to check out online. All kinds of killer instrumentals to get you through your day some some real classic vibes and uh a lot of different dynamics that this dude explores with the instrumentation had a great chat with him in the uh in the normandale park there in northeast portland we hung out we busted out the camping chairs and uh just chatted it up about him coming up in montana and and just being really keyed into to rap and hip-hop from from a young age and just enjoyed 
getting to know him and where this music comes from. Shout out to Smythe, who gets mentioned in the episode a couple times, but he is the the one that that bridged this this gap and uh, introduced Sherbert and I a few weeks back at this this park hang that Sherbert was hosting. So if you dig the music on this episode and you enjoy this chat, I would encourage you to uh, check out the the episode that I did do with Smythe, and I think that was about a year ago or so, maybe I don't know six months ago. It's hard to tell at this point. I think it was sometime last year. I don't know what the the time with everything in this quarantine situation and all the uh, the madness of the world and, you know, walls being considered more important than uh, black lives, you know, all that jazz has kind of got all the, the timeline a little cloudy. But uh, nonetheless, check out the Smythe episode. Check out Smythe's music. I'll put his link in the... Uh, in the episode notes as well. And uh, he's actually featured on the song that uh, we'll be playing the episode out with. So you can get you can get familiar with his voice a little bit and what he does on the mic. He's also a great, great beat maker. But uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. I don't have uh, too much to ramble on up top here. Hope you'll go back, check out some previous episodes if you are new to the show. Last week, I put out volume eight of I Dig Records, which is a series I've been doing with my cousin, just diving into a couple records each week. And we did the Phoebe Bridgers Punisher record last week, as well as Van Morrison live performance from the Grand Opera House in Belfast, 1984 performance. And it is a banger. So, Check that out, and uh, yeah, you can find more fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. All the links will be in the episode notes. Hope you are uh, finding a way to stay sane out there, staying safe. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you can escape into this conversation I had with Sherbert for like an hour and a half, and uh listen to his some some of his tunes and and get to know where he comes from great dude great dude great beat maker it's always really dope when uh you meet somebody whose work that you admire and then they also end up being a really nice person and uh that was my experience of hanging out with sherbert at normandale park here in northeast portland and we're going to jump into this episode Episode 225 is coming at you. We're going to kick it off with a track off the uh, Short But Sweet Volume 3. This whole series of Short But Sweet EPs is really dope. Uh, Everything that's available from this dude is is really great, but the Short But Sweet volumes are are probably particularly some of my favorite stuff. And... uh, we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks in the Sherbert catalog. It's off volume three of Short But Sweet, and it's called That's Beautiful. Mountaineer Mike. So where you been, man? Let's do the damn thing. You still going to Seton Hall? No, I, I transferred into Monmouth this year. I was tired of missing him. That's beautiful, man.
Sherbert, you ready to you ready to jump into this thing? Of course. Cool, man. Stoked to uh, to hang, talk about your tunes and uh, musical background and whatnot. We were just talking. We uh, I guess we found out about each other through Portland MC beat maker Smythe, mm-hmm. who's a, a super good dude, and uh, you threw. You threw a little uh, a little park hang maybe three or four weeks ago, which was the first time that I had seen music since this uh, this pandemic went down. So thank you for uh, you know putting something together for some people to come see some music. Of course, see some beat sets in the park and whatnot. That was you know what's really funny is so there was a few other um, musical I've I've seen a few different performances you know out at protests and uh and organizations in the park of, of different bands and rappers and stuff but there wasn't like a specific beat show yet yeah uh, like in the in the yet meaning in the covid era in the right. six or seven <laughs> months we've been living in um so i was like oh you know that should be you know if you've ever you know beat happening like those guys are like the jam they were a big um you know i guess eye-opener to me to like the beat scene in portland them and thirsty city were both like i was like oh wow this is a whole thing where people just come to listen to beats um because i i don't want to like get too far off track in montana where i was from um they didn't really have a beat scene uh, you know I, I loved beats but there wasn't like a place just for that for producers so anyway um so i love that i love i'd go to every beat happening i could possibly make um in thirsty city also and so i was like oh you know i should just put a little beat show together in the park um and then it turns out oh i don't remember who organized it i I can't remember exactly but some uh another producer homie organized another like beats in the park thing the same day um in another park just coincidentally (laughs) <laughs> with with an amazing stack lineup that like would have been insane you know any other time also but like just to be like oh it's the it's a covid park beat jam thing it was like you know seven or eight just dope ass producers um and it happened the same day which actually worked out because it split up nicely and there was still a lot of people that showed up to ours as well but uh yeah that was super fun the what did i call it park bench rhythms um that's from like an evidence song evidence says like hitting park bench rhythms up and i was like that's a cool name that's rad that's <laughs> rad i love that reference i got to see him i guess was that like last year or two years ago he came through the roseland and with the, odyssey in peter's room with odyssey yeah yep. were you at that show yeah oh yeah hell yeah that was a that was cool my my buddy trent turned me on to to evidence a long time ago and and he's been a fan die hard for like day one so it was cool that to get to go see that with him and i had seen odyssey the uh like the year before with the good company band at the hawthorne yeah which is such a bummer i you know rest in peace uh i'm sorry what was his name uh was it mike thrasher oh yeah mike thrasher big Um, portland head for you know putting on yeah big shows here and kind of owned and ran the hawthorne theater i guess yep but i will say that the the 
the sound in there struggled a lot of the time. So it's like when you see a band or in, either way, like, you know, the band, you could sound better. It's a good sound crisper. And with hip hop shows, it's, it's just blaring each other. Like I saw like Jedi mind tricks there one time. And it was like, I was like, this is so dope. But it was so loud and just bouncing off the walls everywhere that it's like hard to enjoy. Yeah. I think the only other hip hop show I saw at Hawthorne <clears throat> was Mick Jenkins. And I was so pumped to see Mick. I've, I've like, I love that dude. He's probably like my favorite rapper of the modern era, but kind of the same deal. Like everything was bouncing pretty heavy, which was the, I guess the nice thing about that Odyssey show, because it, there was a band, it maybe sounded a little tighter. Yeah. And his band is the oh, tightest. Dude, the good so company like, band. Yeah. They can make anything sound good. So amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know if people just kind of realize that you could just throw a show in the park like that though right now. I mean, the other thing, too, is that I realized I probably didn't have to go through all the steps I did. I went and got the permit, everything, and, like, but, my but like, my birthday was the week before, so my homies, like, threw in, they pitched in on, like, the permit and stuff. So, you know, it was legal for us to, you know, drink in the park and everything. Um, but, you know, like, no, I mean, like I was saying, you know, I can just come to this park anytime and just chill, and no one's going to come bother me. Like, you know, there's other things going on. So, um I was like, I probably didn't have to drop that money on the park thing. But, you know, just to make sure that I didn't have to, like, fret and have, like, watch my back, you know, if, like, everyone's getting faded in the park. Yeah. Also, that would have been kind of a bummer if 45 minutes in, they're just like, yeah, what are you guys doing? You can't. Right. You can't just be having music here and, and yeah, having all this happen. So, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely something to think about in these times. And I guess, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, we're running out of time for that to happen with the rain coming. But it was also, I don't know. It was just really dope to see music and just hang out in the park. And I guess it's also one of those situations where you don't want tons of people to come, but you want enough people to come to make it. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. doing the, the like, hit me up for the address. And then, like, how many people are you inviting? It felt very exclusive. But um, but then in the end, when we showed up, uh, the park people had told this other this other group that was having, like, a block party there, like a family block party. They were, like, setting up where we were. And I was like, I do not want to kick you guys out of here at all. Like, but we technically have this part reserved. But, you know, we are just doing music, and we have, like, an alcohol permit. So, like, if y'all are down to, like split this up you know we don't want to be in your way um and they were super cool with it and they ended up saying that you know they we have like five you know 50 other people that are going to show up so they just moved to the other side but i still felt bad but it was but yeah th at that point i was like okay well all bets are off we can have as many people here because they double booked us they they're right. like they told them that they could come here so i was just like okay well i'm not worried about breaking the rules anymore and i'm also not worried about in the future i feel like i can just I like right now. I could. I mean, it's getting a little late, but I feel like I could just set up speakers right here and just start a thing right here, and people will probably just come over and start hanging out. Yeah. Did you see? I mean, there were people there that didn't know music was going on. You know, quickly, quickly. Like he just like popped up and was like, "I'm just just skating over across on the other side and heard beats, and I heard, saw that Theory Has It was dropping beats." <laughs> yeah, I feel like if somebody it has music set up in the park, people are gonna come check it out. You know, especially right now when there's no entertainment really happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as it's at some reasonable volume, I can't imagine neighbors are going to be too quick to complain, especially if it's before 10 o'clock. Yeah. 
So and you got to pick the right. I mean, you got to pick the right neighborhood. Like that neighborhood was like a super down ass neighborhood. I could just tell by walking around. It was like a part of the Cully neighborhood, which I've always I lived there. Like when I first moved into back into Portland, but um. Yeah, it was a super cool spot. We don't have to keep talking about park jams forever, but this is where it's at. We're sitting in a park. Yeah. We're, having, we're doing a podcast talking right. about park jams. But to be fair, it's one of those things where, like, the musical, how music is changing in the COVID era. Like, the, it never really was a thing to, like, do park jam music unless it was, like, a big family thing where, where everyone's putting out chairs and, like, blankets and stuff. But instead, you know, just impromptu, like, beat shows where it's just, like, dudes playing beats in the park like why not like there's people that go play you know the keyboard on like over at peninsula park just like under the little overhang thing and just hang out and play keyboard why not just do the same thing with beats yeah i think that was mainly also besides it being a cool event and a cool way to see some music i thought it was worth bringing up just for anybody that's itching for some music or a place to do it like you can just go get a permit from your park yeah, do it. Super set that easy. It up, dude. Like, it's not, it's not the biggest task if you're not trying to, especially if you're not trying to take over some major park for the afternoon. Yeah, it's just some low key neighborhood deal. And I actually started, so I started like a monthly hip hop show um, at this spot, Northwest IPA. I started it in January of this year, and it was a monthly so i did january february and then the march one was like the end of march so that one didn't happen so i was like i got two months into it um and soon we'll be celebrating our one year anniversary (laughs) um but that was you know i got lucky because i kind of had a bar in mind and like i had a spot and like a vibe that i was going for um i don't know if i said it, it was called cold chilling so if when it comes back look for that um but uh yeah, that's a whole different like experience, you know, doing it in a bar and like even just finding the right bar to do it. So that's why it's nice for the parks. There's like, you know, a hundred plus parks in Portland that you can just rent out from. They have it listed out like, you know, how many people you can have, if you can have power there. So it's like all there. So I think it's something I'm definitely going to pursue when the weather's not shit again. But I think we're getting towards the very end of the summer weather. Absolutely. So fuck, man, how does the... How does the Montana kid get deep into to hip hop and and putting beats out? Um, well, I was born out here in. I told everyone I was born in Portland, you know, because I was born in Gresham or I was raised in Gresham. Um, but technically, I guess I was born in Clackamas. I looked at my birth certificate like when I was like twenty years old, and I was like, "Oh, I was born in the city of Clackamas, not just in the county of Clackamas." So. So I guess I was born in Clackamas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, back in, like when I grew up in Montana, I went up back up to Montana when I was like in third, fourth grade. So I just have to tell everyone I was from Portland. It's easier. Um, <laughs> and I always like had a lot of pride from like being from Portland. Um, being somewhere different and being the city. That sort of city place too, too, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. And I'd always come, you know, come out and visit. We always had a bunch of family out here. So I was always connected to the city um especially once i was you know middle school and high school once i had like things to grasp onto like the blazers and like hip-hop and stuff um i thought it was super cool being into portland hip-hop in high school and being like these are like my local rappers you know what i considered like you know they were the more like homegrown type stuff and so i listened to like sand people a whole bunch uh cool nuts and um 
you know, like versatile and like the lifesavers and, you know, all that stuff. But it was like, you know, these guys are half rap stars, but also I know that they're not like really big. So it's yeah. like, it's like, and only some people know them and barely anyone in Montana knows them. So I feel super cool knowing who they are. For sure, man. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know about any of that stuff growing up outside of LA. Like, I didn't really know it about the, the local Portland stuff. It wasn't until I got to hang out with Cool Nuts for a couple hours and, and pick his brain about, you know, the the early Portland hip hop and, you know, getting turned on to like that G ism record um that that he's on. Yeah, yeah. Is like that record is is timeless. Like that thing is so good. Still. Super good. So but what was like your early engagement with music? Like what what got you into it? Um I mean, when I try to think back, my memory is so shit. I, I mean, I might attribute it to the weed, but either way, I just cannot <laughs> think back of like these like I can't sp- specifically think of these some of these moments, but like I always think some of my first musical experiences is with like comedy music like Weird Al actually. I'm pretty sure Weird Al is like one of my first like musical like um and in in an interesting way being similar to hearing a hip-hop song and finding the sample and then finding the original and be like, oh, these are both cool in their Mm. own rights. Like, I would listen to Coolio songs and then I'd find the originals and be like, oh, I can listen to both of these and enjoy them for their own reasons. (laughs) For sure. Was it it that that Weird Al record, the one with Amish Paradise then? Probably. I mean, that was the hip-hop one for sure that, like, got me into, like... Well, that was, like, the first one of the 90s, too, I feel like. Yeah, that was huge. You know? Um, That came out... I don't know. That record was in rotation just as much as like all of the other records of that time amongst my friends and I or the people that would be in cars with it was like that and that sublime record and the 311 record like it it all like it all came out around the same time so it was it was interesting it's crazy that people could just bump comedy right comedy like comedy songs back then you know it wasn't it's not so common now you know no one's really bumping the new weird Al, but yeah I don't even know and I don't really know who's even doing anything that's like parody on that level this let is like alone not just youtube based you know yeah let yeah. alone like just putting out comedy records mm-hmm. like the only person i know that would be even remotely close to that little dicky maybe a little dicky in some ways but, but he's but definitely trying to be serious and not trying to like yeah joke too joking um have you seen his show dave I like his show more than his music. Now. I, I mean, I liked his. I liked show, his dude. music. I went and saw him in Seattle. It was a very disappointing show, but um, his show was uh, better than his music. I think. Yeah. I think in you know, I I know that from his history. You know, he was like in marketing and stuff, or like making ads and stuff. So I think that was his passion. It was like creative, visual. You know, his his video, music videos were hilarious, and they made the songs practically. And it's like that's what he needed to do. It's like a show that was like him being him yeah <laughs> and it was yeah that, that show was killer i like how they recreated his uh his sway in the morning free uh, freestyle situation oh wasn't it uh charlemagne or the breakfast club oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. rather the whole thing the whole thing was great and like just th- making a joke of himself and a yeah. meme of himself it's like this is so real like this is real shit yeah yeah absolutely Quality. um but yeah the only other person aside from like that is this dude Wheeler Walker Jr., who puts out like oh, that sounds familiar. It's these like country, comedy. Right? Yeah, it's it's they're earn it like the music itself is 
like very good bitchin country music like he has the best studio musicians mm-hmm. that play on those records but it's all like very like raunchy and just doesn't take itself seriously at all but yeah yeah still nothing on that weird out level yeah like, for sure that dude just like mastered that shit yeah so that was like probably the first main musical like influence i can think of you know back in the day like so you know then i'd write funny songs and stuff with my friends you know like we i remember it was maybe the end of high school or end of middle school middle of high school anyway uh we created like a welcome to montana version of the <laughs> jermaine dupree welcome to atlanta like <laughs> welcome to montana where the blah 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 you know and That's man amazing. i wrote like the whole everyone's verses and pretty much like dr dre ghost wrote everybody's shit you know but uh it was you know that was probably one of the earliest times i've ever made hip-hop music and you know i did that and i like would do mashups on my computer of stuff like with hip-hop beats and different acapellas just with like free audio programs and that was like what first got me into like even just processing syncing up music and in beats and chopping up beats and doing different things without actually even making whole new compositions yeah and had you ever picked up any other instruments before getting into putting together beats yeah i I mean you know the the school required instrument i played like the trumpet for three years um and then immediately lost interest in that and then i got a guitar in high school and learned guitar had some lessons and taught myself a whole bunch and i've always been kind of good like if i can pick it up i can still kind of play but um I haven't really played it recently. It's been gathering dust. So I've been I've played the guitar a little bit, but no really like concrete, you know, lockdown instrument like like I did when I got, you know, when I started making beats on a computer and then especially when I got a drum machine and was able to physically, you know, put in beats um with my hands. That's when I was like more inspired and then I considered myself, you know, a producer and a beat maker. Yeah. Once you started putting together beats on the computer, software and whatnot, did were you just hooked heavy, and that's what you were spending all your time doing when you weren't at school? Yeah, and even I mean, I I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I was all over LimeWire, like just finding new stuff <laughs> constantly, and just and showing my friends. I was always the one to like show my friends new hip hop or like just stuff that they had never heard, you know, just classic, you know, grimy New York stuff um, and things like that. And so I always kind of just knew that like that was like my thing. And then once I started making, and I was honestly, and I tell everyone this, um, but I've, I haven't really done any podcasts, so I don't feel old saying this, but I say it to everyone who asks me, you know, what are your influences? Um, people under the stairs are like my hugest influence. They, when, when I first like heard them and started listening to them, um, specifically the original soundtrack album, they like, that was the music I wanted to make. And that was like, that was like my music. Like I heard that and I was like, that's the shit I should be making. Like I want to make those beats and know that I like produce that. And just like, and the the whole thing, I was like, these beats are, you know, they, they speak to me. And I like still like listen to that album and like, it still gives me that same feeling, you know? That's cool, man. So that was like, those were your markers though. Like that's what you were aspiring to when you figured out that that's like what you wanted to do. When you heard that shit, you were like, this is it yeah so i was like how do i do this so how do i go about this so i got you know got the the leaked what is it um 
What is it when you like pirate, pirated yeah. uh, Fruity Loops on my laptop and was just doing that. And then um, I lived in my, my mom's cool enough to like rent out this apartment that she owned. Like when we were moving out of this apartment, she held onto it and let me live in it my senior year of high school with like two other friends. Of course, we fucking like half trash it and throw a bunch of parties and skip school a bunch <laughs> but <laughs> i learned some lessons and uh you know shout out to my mom for letting us experience our college life early but like i got a you know i got like a this starter newmark turntable set and like started buying vinyls which was dope that like i got into like djing vinyl early on because like that was like a cool thing to learn so i went to the one record store in bozeman montana and just you know bought every every new hip-hop they had come in but luckily the people that did own and work at the record store they knew good hip-hop and like good hip-hop comes through montana like on tours so they know good shit so like i was learning about like crazy underground stuff just from buying records and i felt like again looking back i was you know not to be like yeah i was living that og life but i felt like i was doing something more genuine by buying vinyls based off of like how they looked or like oh i know that this person featured on this song is dope or that this is, you know, related to this or that. And so I just buy the record and then yeah. I listen to it at home and I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking tight. And then, you know, later on I find out either it's something super popular or it's maybe something that flopped, but like it was only based on my opinion, not on like what I found online or whatever. Yeah. Trusting in labels and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. I don't, I didn't even know much about, I didn't learn about labels like until like, as far as, you know, learning about the dope old school ones until like I really, you know, maybe five or six years ago <laughs> and until I started getting that deep and then I under it. But it was pretty easy to quickly link artists with labels and yeah. shit, you know, the way they drop them in, in lyrics and, and, you know, it's all over the videos and, and their album covers and all that shit. Yeah. You start implementing what you were doing then on the turntables with the production you were I would together? say... Um, I was I started out as a shitty DJ and a shitty producer. Um the beats were super stale. Um the whole time I was on Fruity Loops and I would say I mean the whole time I was on DJing on vinyl, it was nothing great, but I was DJing house parties and shit, so like it was just like whatever. You're playing something that's got a, a beat to it that's good enough. <laughs> um and I was just playing the shit that I liked. So once I got into really DJing because I didn't even really get into producing first. I got into DJing more. I was DJ Sherbert. Um, and were you doing vinyl exclusive at that point or were you doing a, a mix of both? I was doing vinyl like through my high school years and then maybe like one or two years out of high school. And then one of my friends was like moving to Chile and he was like, yeah, I got these Technique 1200s. I got this like dope Newmark four channel mixer got the serato everything i've got all this stuff i'll sell it to you for like i don't know 700 bucks all of it and it's like okay awesome and like those turntables got to be worth like right now like a grand a piece so um you came up so i came the fuck up and that was really you know shout out to joe silva for whatever reason you're listening to this because that was a big reason that you know i was able to pursue my hip-hop dreams was DJing with that setup and using Serato and again you know using I was lucky to have the internet because I'm going to all these old blogs I remember there's this one called Hip Hop Addicts with like two or three X's and it was like a blog spot and it was just like 
constant old school albums from like you know Diamond D and like OC and like all these New York things and and you know DJ Quick like old school West Coast stuff and just stuff you'd have to find on CD or something and maybe would be on Spotify now but way hard to find back then when it was just either LimeWire or iTunes Store because um, this is you know 2010 2009 so. I just got all my stuff off the internet, but again, was just getting so into these full albums. Instead of just listening to certain songs, I'm like, you know, getting all these. And again, I guess I'm not buying them. I'm just downloading them. So it's super easy, but I'm appreciating every album that I'm getting. And I will listen, I will burn it on a CD, throw it in my car, listen to it, and then either trash it or store it, you know, with everything else. So that was my way of like getting all of my hip hop and didn't really start producing actual beats for like artists and stuff until about 2011 yeah did you find though that when you were i don't know in that stage of like listening to things or maybe even now was it always this thing where you're really like analyzing all of the instrumentation that that was happening and what you could pull from it not really i i still i mean i definitely analyze shit all the time now but it's always the beats i'm i never really listen to the lyrics and especially not back in the day i would bump some like i'd play some songs for my friends i'm like isn't this dope and they're like dude this is this is whack because it's you know some like love song or something you know it's something where they're like not fucking with the lyrics but i'm like but the beat's so tight that i'm just infatuated with the beat um so back then you know i was just kind of filling my mind with the beats as a whole like and then later on as i started making beats and listening back to those songs then i can kind of like break it down and be like oh this is how you know how those beats were made but before i was making music i didn't i didn't look at it like that i don't think i had that much of a breakdown but once i was you know i had that need to like make that music then i just couldn't stop listening to hip-hop and analyzing it and just being obsessed with it and yeah that's how i am now is just continually obsessed with hip-hop yeah are you at that time are you kind of exclusively listening to hip-hop like is that what your music library looks at at that point or are you already kind of like diving back into finding the samples and and you know getting deep into soul and r&b and jazz and all the stuff that you know hip-hop stems from at that time, I wasn't really jamming any of like the original sample type stuff, like the just the real like '60s, '70s, like classic stuff. Um, other than like the hits, but I wasn't really um, put onto the samples like that, and I wasn't really using like who sampled or anything. And there was again being in Montana, there's no one like showing me the ways or anything. It's just me showing myself. So. Um, you know, living with my friends and stuff, they were into. You know, I would say the other genre, the top genres we'd listen to would be, other than hip hop, would be like ska. We were really into ska, um, and then like classic rock. And a lot of my friends were into like metal and death metal and stuff. So I'd listen to all that, and you know, I appreciate like the, the death metal. I don't listen to death metal in my own time, but like when I listen to it with my friends, I'm like, I like I like this shit because like I appreciate it, and like I'm in the mood for it too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my friend group was definitely n- not the hip hop group so i'm the hip-hop guy out of my like montana friends for sure sure. (laughs) yeah i don't know it seems like some of those classic rock vibes occasionally uh bleed in to what you do oh for sure i love the huge guitar yeah i love big guitar beats like that's yeah yeah. dude 
Yeah, definitely. I I enjoy uh, that aspect of of your shit. Like when you lean in to some of the guitar driven stuff, and there's just nasty solos being played. Yeah, is uh is really dope. Is that a like? Are you ever sampling like any of your own guitar playing at this point? No, I, I don't. You said it's been a, a minute since you you played it all. I was just wondering if that's that's something that you do. I've yeah, I've like I've thrown my guitar on some beats, but I don't think I've put anything out that's had me playing guitar on it. Um, there's some where like I'll play the bass. I have a bass too that I'll like chop up the bass notes that I play. Um, but that's kind of like the closest I ever really get to it. I've been you know once I move into my new spot, I'm gonna specifically have them out on a stand and have them tuned and you know not dusty as fuck because right now they're in the back of a closet so it's like it really symbolizes <laughs> how much i'm not trying to go for them so i want to have them out so i can start working and using the guitar and bass more often with it um because i want that over my shit and i end up just sending it to other people and having other people do it which is dope because you know i'm happy to like pay other artists or like just work with other homies that are just trying to do it but there's sometimes where I'm just sitting there and I just need a small thing done and I don't need to send it to someone and ask them to do me this favor when it's like, I can just, you know, do this myself. So yeah. I'm trying to do more of the DIY stuff, but some of the stuff like mixing and mastering, I've been trying to learn, but that stuff I really just am cool with sending to someone else because I have a few like trusted friends that have specific sounds that I fuck with and I'm like, I'm cool with just throwing them money and having them do it how they do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's probably also like good to like remove yourself a little bit from mm -hmm. it anyway. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Helicopter is landing right there. Yeah. It's at the hospital. The hospital. Ah. Yeah. That's the nice thing. That's our apartments right like across from over there. So, so you get a lot of that. Yes. You're very used to this. Uh huh. And then on the other side of us is the East Precinct. So we get <laughs> this is a Portland police. <laughs> this is an unlawful assembly. Uh, I mean, I would imagine that you're doing some degree of mixing when you're putting together beats, though, right? Like, yeah. And some people, shit, like I remember. You know, I played, um, oh man, what was it? It was like Sketchy Beats or something. One of these dope uh, local things. And I was playing one, and I just remember some people being like, man, that mix sounds clean. And I'm like, this is just like whatever I put over it. And we're playing it like just over some big speakers. But um, yeah, people tell me that I have a good mix, but I really just put like a simple EQ on it and some other, and like even, you know, I went over to Smythe's house, you know, a year ago or something, and he showed me some some just small little tweaks that he does on his machine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. And it made my shit sound like 10 times better. And I was like, wow, how many things do I just not know about? So that's the other thing. It's like, how many of these things can I just hit a fucking switch? And it'll make it sound yeah. way doper. And I just don't know about the switch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a lot. But I'm I'm happy with, you know, slowly learning these different things. And I, I feel like, you know, people always are like, you know, get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, if you're if you feel like you're not doing anything, you know, get uncomfortable with yourself. But I feel like every time I'm making beats, I never feel like I'm making the same old shit. Sometimes, you know, I do feel like something's stale. But if I get on to two or three more samples or beats after that, then I'll make something dope. And it's like every time I feel like my newest beat is the dopest beat I've made. I've never felt like my last three beats are increasingly declining in quality i feel like every time is doper than the last and i've done something cooler than the last time so it's i've never been worried that i'm you know getting stagnant or anything i just got to get into the mood of making beats yeah man i mean 
yeah, I think get out of your comfort zone, you know, is, is good advice, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, uh, you know, get away from what you're doing, yeah. especially if, I don't know, that can, I see why some artists like really just want to focus on the craft of their music and not, and not know anything about engineering or, you know, it's right. just like, I just want to focus on doing this thing that I love to do and doing the other shit may even take away some of that for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel you on that. Um, been enjoying the tunes a lot, man. I've been diving deep into the catalog like the last couple of weeks since we started that. talking about trying to arrange a time to do this. Um, and the short but sweet volumes i've been i've been getting into those heavy a lot today hell yeah i like those a lot especially the the first volume oh nice i've never like it's so dope just to talk to people about this because it's rare even i mean it still happens but when people come up and talk to me about my music personally it's like such a weird occurrence that you know when someone's like oh yeah this short but sweet my favorite one is the first one it's like i've never had anyone tell me which one is their favorite one yeah I don't <laughs> favorite so favorite or that one that is, you've been digging the it's most been, yeah there's just some some tracks on there that I I really appreciate mm-hmm. as I do with everything and I do find that there are like significant differences in the projects, you know. Like I I might recognize that I don't think I'm at the level where I'm going to be like, "Whoa, this is a Sherbert jam," you know? <laughs> like I can recognize some songs at this point. Right. But I do feel like, you know, you have you know, you're it all feels like the same thing, but each project feels different. Like it has different flares to it. For sure. Like it seems like you flex a lot of different, uh, different dynamics as far as the instrumentation and, and the sounds, you know, diving into some of the classic shit and then, you know, getting synth heavy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, airplane mode is a song that, uh, that I've been digging a lot off that, that volume one though. And uh, so I thought we I thought we could drop this one here as a musical break. Yeah. Um, I just feel like this has one thing I dig about your music a lot is it it often feels like a movie soundtrack to me. And this song specifically is is one of those jams. Nice. Where I'm like, oh, this feels this feels like it it belongs in a very cool movie. <laughs> so this is airplane mode from Sherbert off the the short but sweet volume one available on all the streaming services and you should definitely check it out as well as all the other music we're going to feature today so yes please do get with it
Yeah, so like 2011, you start making some beats for other people to to get on. Yeah. And it was that was that the first stuff you put out? Did you ever put out any instrumentals before having somebody else rap on your beats? Uh, the closest thing to putting anything out before that would be like on soundclick.com. You know, like you could like upload stuff to SoundClick or putting stuff on uh, MySpace. Like I made an artist page on MySpace. Yeah. So those are like the, really the only two places that I had, had any music before. Man, it's crazy that it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't just upload something to SoundCloud like instantly. Right. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that like when I was first making beats, oh, I mean, I guess by 2011, yeah. So, yeah, that's before 2011. But once 2011 was around, you know, Facebook was a thing. I think SoundCloud was a thing. Because I'm pretty sure I have tracks up now that trace back to then. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, the first person I ever made a track with um, is my friend Darian Jones, who unfortunately passed away like two weeks ago so um that's really been fucked up for me um sorry to hear that man but it's you know he was a big influence on me too like getting me into like hip-hop music out in out in portland and he was like you know a real rapper <laughs> a real rapper meaning like you know in high school when i met him you know he rapped and he was like a dope rapper he's not some dude fucking busting in your ear you're like jesus christ man so he was always you know a dope artist before I was even making beats. And, um, I remember we would like this, this also dates it, there was like an, some sort of instant messenger that we had. I don't know if it was maybe MSN or something, but we would like battle rap, like on mess instant messenger back and forth to each other. Like when we were in high school, cause we were like science partners when we first met in class and stuff. But then we kind of like were homies with other stuff. So like, that's like what we would do sometimes like after school hours, like we would like, battle rap on the internet which is so funny because i i forgot about that until like you know a few weeks ago when this happened and i was like damn i i would you know i never said about anything about me rapping but i kind of internet rap for a little bit there just battle rapping with my friend just having fun because i always loved making funny rhymes and stuff like you know i'm i've always like been able to write funny little poems but nothing like too serious and that weird out like, really yeah, really yeah, hate exactly <laughs> but i couldn't i can't hate with like you know the like fucking the realness bars and that's probably also why i like people on the stairs none of it's too like too serious you know all of it's about having fun i'm like cool <laughs> let's keep it positive <laughs> yeah um yeah was there just like kind of one or two other people to even inquire with about that while you're in montana still putting no. together stuff not really. So other than Darian, we put out a couple songs or like um, we made some songs and then we probably didn't even put them out till a couple of years later. Um, but in 2011, I met this dude, David Dalla G. Uh, his name's David Dalla Gasparina, but he's got a very rap like name. So we, his David Dalla G is his rap name. Um, one of my friends said that they needed like a, a DJ for this rapper playing up in Big Sky, Montana. Um, and I'd never DJed for a rapper before. And I was like, but yeah, I can do that. Fuck yeah, I'll do it. I got my Serato and shit and I'll pack up my turntables. Um, and turns out we have a mutual friend who was also in my same science class as um, Darian, which is the funny like connection I made. 
Um, so we all rode up together to Big Sky with one of my friends, and we all hung out, got to know each other, played the show. I did awful because I was like, didn't know how to DJ for rappers, so I'm mixing the end of one of his beats into like the beginning of the next like i'm djing like a fucking club night yeah. but i'm like so he's like hearing like both of his beats in the end and he's like what's going on and i'm like right dude beat match right, right? yeah i know you, I <laughs> that know, was sick right i know this beat's supposed to be 95 bpm but now it's 85 what are you gonna do <laughs> like like not even thinking about any of that oh, so man. um but we had fun i remember i won some money on on a kino machine so that was dope uh but we had a good time and he was from portland um he's you know like born and raised from out here and he went to college out um in bozeman and so it was like a weird connection that we had that like we didn't figure out till we met and um turns out dude only wears for at least for years and years only wore like red and black like hella blazer just you know blazers blazers you know and that <laughs> were like blazers hats you know like he was all out and you know um and he worked at adidas for a while and his brother works at adidas so he was just adidas and and blazer stuff all the time so he was you could tell he was a blazers fan in montana but uh so we had that in common but more importantly like we both knew about like sand people and shit like that was a big one that we connected on with like sand people and sapient and stuff like that and so we started making music and that's when i started like my beat started becoming less cheesy and i had my i just got my machine maybe the year before that um so my first like one of my first actual songs i made with him we ended up putting out and stuff it was called working at the gap because uh, he worked at the gap for a while so we made this song together and that was like the first you know first one that i made on my drum machine and i made it like in his bedroom while he's like writing rap so it was like one of those cool like again it just feels organic i don't feel like it's lacking anything it was you know there's a friendship there and there was there was like serious like connections happening making yeah. music so it was like a good first song to like make with someone hey you guys must have fucking hit it off pretty well for you to f like fuck up that first show and still I know right like, dude, <laughs> develop totally this amazing cool like it. friendship and, and and you know creative partnership dude thankfully there was no one at that show so, <laughs> so that's why it didn't matter because there's no fucking audience uh but you know we got a bar tab and some free food so it was dope <laughs> yeah what what was that experience for you just even getting to hear somebody rap over your beats and and collaborating with somebody in the same room Dude, it's hard. I mean, I still, I'm surprised that I did that because I still struggle to make beats. Even, even I'll go over to Dave's house and we'll make music sometimes. And I still struggle to make beats in front of people. I, I, right now my speakers and shit are out in front of like my, in my living room. So it's hard for me to make beats in front of my wife. Like I have, I have a hard time. Like just, I need to be like by myself when I'm making beats usually. So it was lucky that that even happened. Um, I get it, man. I don't, I don't even want to. I don't even want to record the intro to this podcast in front of my girlfriend or, yeah. or anyone for that matter. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't want anybody be, to be in the room for that. Exactly. <laughs> so I've always been that very, you know, also just kind of just super self-conscious about my music. So I'm like, Oh wow, you even, you fuck with this. Like you want to do something with this. And you know, so it's always been continually amazing. Like every single year that I like, I, you know, excuse me that you know i work with new artists and stuff or or connect with artists that i've been listening to since like high school and stuff yeah and they fuck with my music and it still blows my mind and that's the other thing that i'm 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 doing something right all the beats that i'm making 
I like and other people like. So, you know, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. But it's still one of those things where every time I'm still amazed that, like, people like my music, whether it be someone that I consider famous or someone that, like, is, you know, an 18-year-old rapper in Portland. Like, it's dope either way. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, man. You're right. It is It is dope either way. Was your... Did you kind of always want to figure out your way back to Portland? Was that... Kind of. I think... You know, I wasn't really thinking long-term at the time. You know, in Montana, there's kind of a rap, there's kind of a hip-hop scene. So Dave and I, you know, honestly, we did really well out there. We did as good as we could for, uh, like, a hip-hop scene out there. You know, we toured multiple times. Like, there wasn't even a lot of people in Montana that were touring outside of the outside of the state. It's a big fucking state. That state is huge, man. So it's, like, any, like, the closest um, cities are Seattle, 12 hours from Bozeman, um... Denver, 12 hours from Bozeman. Salt Lake, maybe like six or seven hours from Bozeman. Boise is like eight hours from Bozeman. It's like... It's deep. Deep. <laughs> so um, so tours themselves, like to come through there, it's hard. It's usually them coming from Colorado and Wyoming, stopping in Billings, Bozeman, Missoula, and then getting to like Boise or something, and then getting into the West Coast. So it's really just an anchor, like a little hook and swing from Montana. But uh, we got really lucky that like, you know we made some good friends and like that were throwing like festivals and stuff and they like liked the music we were making and honestly there was a lot of rappers out there that were like they were making dope music but some of it was just kind of like more gangster-ish rap so you know we got on the shows with like atmosphere and brother ali and like the more like those like the greaves shows you know the light-hearted shit you know a lot of the like yeah and obviously out in montana you know the the white right white rapper type shit sells a lot out there so um dave and i you know we definitely were on some more a lot of people called us corny <laughs> but you got some you got some cool looks then you're fucking opening oh, these shows yeah. with some really well-respected you know people in the genre yeah and i mean again you know and i try not to hold that you know to any degree either because anyone can be put onto any show and absolutely um but like but you know it it said something that people were reaching out to us and wanting us to play these shows for our music um but like because the scene is so secluded and stuff there that a lot of people you know hated on us again you know because we made this kind of softer rap music um and it just didn't have you know it didn't really click with some of the other scene and as it grew you know it's it's a whole different scene now than what it was before. And it's dope. Like there's still, there's, you know, in all the different cities of Montana, there's different hip hop scenes. And there's people out here that I've met that are from, uh, you know, from like Great Falls and from like Missoula and stuff that are out here in Portland, like rapping. And, and there's, you know, there's lots of dope artists. Um, Mike Bogan used to live in Billings and I first met him in Billings doing shows oh, out in right. Montana. So we were doing, I've played shows with him out in Montana all the time. And like, no, I know like all of his producers and DJs and shit from like playing shows in Montana and Idaho and stuff. And it's just funny that, you know, now he's back out here um, doing his thing. Mike's great. And so that's like one of, that's a long connection I've had. And, you know, we met like Sape and Ilmac like back when, um, you know, we were still doing shows in, in Bozeman. So those were like the early connects. And right before Dave and I moved, we moved back out here in 2015 is kind of a joint venture of like all right we've done what we can in montana we've toured a bunch we've met dope artists we've made music um 
So we went on a, like a 23-day tour with Sapien and did 23 shows in 23 days. And I will never do that again. I'm pretty sure none of us will. We all agreed that at the end, that, that we're not going to do that many consecutive shows. Very brutal. Um, it was an experience. It was super fun. And I and I love Sape and John Sleeves and, and Delegy. Like, that was a really fun experience. And that was our move out. Like, we moved out of our apartment, drove out to Portland for all of our shit, and then went and picked up Sapien and Eugene, went on our tour, and then came back and we're like, and we're home. So that was our kind of, like, goodbye thing and we stopped in montana we made that long ass hook up to montana too in the tour so we got yeah. to stop by and play a show so prior to moving here had you ever put out just any beat tapes or beat records or were you it was it just whatever you and dave were doing at that yeah i was always i wasn't i was gonna say second fiddle but that's like a bad term where it's like the first fiddle is the good one. The second fiddle is the shit one. <laughs> but uh, we were, I was, I, it was always, you know, David Delegy and Sherbert, you know, it was never like I didn't get my due, but it was always, I was just always, you know, DJing and producing yeah. for him. And I was totally cool with that. Like we were a duo and we were fucking like, we know each other better than like anyone else. Like his fiance and my wife, like they don't know us as well as we know each other. So, um, and like you know we've toured so many that was the other dope thing like we got to tour so many times together like we got to know each other so well that it's so natural everything that we make um but what i was going to say i keep going off track what i was going to say is no i never really made anything solo to put out um i'd always kind of like half worked on some shit and i'm like oh i got like these like four or five beats that i want to turn into an ep or something and then i never did but i'm glad i didn't too because you know, some of my shit just didn't sound that complete by itself and it really needed an artist and then a whole new process going over it and being edited and like added to so it sounded like a complete song. So I'm glad I didn't kind of jump the gun on that. Um, but once I moved out here, I think like the first year that I moved out here, I put out that uh, Colorblind Instrumentals and that yeah. was the first one. That was like the debut thing. And that was actually, I think my com that was because my computer got like stolen and... All I had was these beats that I had sent in emails, mainly to Dology. I'd always I'd make a beat and I'd send him like, yo, what do you think of this? Just to bump it. And so I had all these like MP3s and shit. And so I sent them to my other friend to master them um, and maybe give him a slight mix if he could. If he could. And they turned out pretty dope. So that whole thing is like there's no stems in any of that because that's just all just beats that were left over from my old computer. So um, yeah. that was the first time that I had done anything solo and then shortly after you know I played I reached out to Thirsty City I don't know who recommended me to them and then I reached out to them and uh, Northern Drop put me on a show I played a beat set and like after that I just started meeting people and it like spider webbed out like it just I just branched out and met everybody and the amount of you know not to again we're jumping ahead but the Portland beat scene has just like accepted me so much and it's been amazing. Like I moved here and was like, I'm going to be a solo artist. I'm just going to be Sherbert. And like, hopefully that'll be enough to like, just be a producer and maybe sometimes do song with songs with vocalists, otherwise do beats. And like people have been so dope. And now like all of my friends in Portland are musicians because like, that's how I met everybody. Yeah. I, I found the Portland music scene to be a very warm accepting place it's it's pretty dope did you find that that was uh that was kind of the first time you had people around you that like to push you a lot with what you were doing or like just seeing a lot of different people 
play beat sets and having any sort of like accessibility to that scene. Yeah. Like, and honestly, I would say, you know, in Montana, unless I was really sleeping on some people, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if I was in the top five, top 10 hip hop producers in Montana, just because there's not really a lot of people like out there putting their name out there. Like, you know, there's people probably low key being studio producers and like, um, you know, there's lots of people out there, you know, studios that I worked at where the people that were working in those studios, you know, they had, you know, Emmys and shit, you know, they had like awards for doing great things, but none of it was like, I'm a hip hop producer and here's, you know, here's my name and here's what I do. So it's like dope to like have that full identity being like, you know, I'm a hip hop producer and you know, there's a rap and there'll be rappers and shit. Um, so it was just cool to be able to be like, here's these beats that I made earlier today and I hope you like them. <laughs> like, and to be able to share that and experiment that and, and for people to care. Cause you know, even, um, I mean, back in Bozeman, I did do it like a battle of the band thing. Like we played with our band, we had a full band. Um, and then I also DJed for the DJ night and like, was like, Hey, all these beats I'm playing, like before I did my set, I was like, all these all these beats I'm DJing are produced by me. So I won that because I was just like, I did a pretty dope DJ set, but all this shit was produced by me and everyone else was just DJing other songs. So it was like, I had the upper hand on that one. Um, so that was like the closest thing I ever got to showcasing my beats before coming out here and actually like seeing all the talent and shit out here. Yeah. When you were, when you were touring with Dave, was there... Like, as you developed as a DJ, did you start implementing, you know, some other shit into the sets aside from, like, are you are you putting in, like, live drops? Or, a little bit, know, yeah. Like, I mean, we definitely, like, the way that we worked, and that's the thing that we do so well is, you know, we just play shows naturally. Like, we're, we just feed off of each other. You know, we bullshit. Like, we're so good at just, you know, half of our show is, I mean, not half our show, but, like, half of the dope part is that, like, we're so natural that like we don't have to like go over anything we go over the basics but like you know if we talk for a little bit we know when someone's done talking and when it's time to drop the beat or if, you know i just fucking drop the beat to cut him off for a reason you know it's like some snarky shit you know we're all about like the back and forth and the funny jokes and the cheesy shit um so and you know sometimes i'll i'd call him out on his shit and he'd say something about me you know so it's just fun like banter um and that's like that was that's like my favorite thing about playing shows with him is you know we'll every once in a while we'll do um those oh my gosh why can i not think of it the uh you know those little like personal shows that they do around where you like you like it's like a so far so far sounds <coughs> yeah like we do we'll do those sometimes and like it's like you know we haven't played a show in like a few months but like we'll just we'll be like hey if we're gonna do these three or four songs dope let's do it and then we just we just kind of kick it and we know how to do it and I'm on it. And like, you know, like you were saying with doing dropouts and stuff, you know, when I was DJing for him, you know, I would do the dropouts and stuff, but I was never a really good DJ. One of the reasons I dropped the DJ from my name. Um, Cause yeah, I was, you know, I could do some, some all right cuts and stuff. Uh, I could do some okay cuts, but not, you know, I just wasn't that good. And I, in my production really quickly surpassed my DJ skills and I found my passion was definitely the production. I love, you know, watching DJ videos and all that shit and watching people just go fucking crazy. But, you know, 
I watch that and I'm like, I know I can't, I don't have the hand coordination at that point to do, you know, I struggle to get the crab scratches down where you like, you go like this. If you're not one, you got to tap, basically tap like each of your fingers as you're going up. And that's like your practice to do it is like that. And it goes, uh, uh, uh. And so it's just one of those things where it's so hard to do. I couldn't even get to there. And I'm like, and then you watch some crazy ass people just do some insane turntablism. And I'm like, I can't even. So that's why I'm, down with beats because i know that you know it's a little bit more um you know objective you know people can kind of like appreciate it for what it is instead of how did how perfect did he land that it's not like some olympic shit like how on point was that right so um and i don't know yeah people just fucked with my beats more so no one was ever like dude you're crazy cutting that shit up hard (laughs) so i knew i knew where my talents lied (laughs) for sure man I've been doing some low-key DJing the last uh, maybe like year, and uh, yeah, it's still a lot of just. I'm just like doing some low-key beat matching, and every once in a while, throwing some manipulations on some things. Every once in a while, where I'm like, "Whoa, man, that was kind of cool. That kind of sounded like you did something right." (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, but it's so fun, so fun. Even just DJing for myself at home. It's probably the most fun. Oh yeah, that's I, I'll do that shit all the time. Like, just before we started doing that the park bench rhythms thing, I was like, oh, I'm gonna DJ in between some people, and uh, shout out to Creme Brulee who showed up and did some guest DJ sets. That was dope. Yeah. But like, I was like ready to do some like just some DJ sets, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just you know I'll just try to warm myself up a little bit because I haven't touched the controller in like years. So I, you know, was just DJing to myself, like, you know, late night practicing. And I was like, man, this shit's just fun. Just hitting the effects and, and lining everything up and just feeling like you're DJing for people, even though it's just, you're just jamming in your headphones. And it's like, you know, that shit's still fun. So that's one of those things that, you know, I never will get sick of. Just won't do it professionally. I won't expect people to pay me for it. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that as you were developing as a beat maker that you were kind of rapping to these beats in your head at least while you were creating stuff a little bit um honestly the one thing that i always say because dave is such a friggin freestyle fiend he will just freestyle rap all the time and start with the same old lines like he'll say wild shit like i'll kill your moms or or he'll say <laughs> or he'll just say some shit like um you know like and so, but I'll always start when I'm like making beats and stuff, or if I'm trying to catch the even just the tempo, I'll go like, um, like, yo, my name's Dollar G and something, something. I, I don't know, but like, I can't even think of it right now, but I know that when I'm doing it, like, it just naturally comes to me this thing that he would, how he would start his freestyles. And so he kind of had like this thing that I would just always do when I think of beats. But otherwise, not really. Um, you know, I'll think of, other raps over beats sometimes maybe but even again like i'm so bad at remembering lyrics i can only remember like the first couple bars so not really i made a birthday song for dave once i rapped it i like recorded it myself and sent that to him but no one's heard that really <laughs> it was awful but it was and it was full of like inside jokes but that's the closest shit i've ever gotten to like actually rapping who raps on fine china that's dollar g yeah he's uncredited okay. on that one but All yeah right. he he drops a little secret verse on the end of that one um and yeah, so he laced that one. Nice. Super dope. Uh, do you, you... You seem to have, like, a track 
on each record that's got maybe even two tracks that that have a vocalist uh, yeah or, one or on MC. one on each for the uh sweet and uh sorry uh short but sweet is, yeah is that a is that something that's like predetermined as far as like when you're making a beat for someone to be on is there a different mentality in making that beat or does that just kind of like happen as you're creating it it's probably like once the beats mostly made and i'm like pretty satisfied with it then i kind of like categorize it i'm like is this like you know an ep beat that i could put on like a short but sweet and it could be like two and a half minutes long and keep people interested the whole time maybe have some like you know movie clips or some shit in it and then like um and also kind of just be something that people would bump by themselves like that's the other thing i try to think is like is this something I would just listen to by myself or the people that like just bump beats? I try to think of people, you know, working in offices and warehouses and shit. Cause that's what I do when I bump beats is like, I have it on a speaker in the background and I have my playlist going. So I try to think of like that shit. And then if it's something where I'm like, I need to, even if it's, if, if it's a more plain beat or like, I need to, you know, maybe run a filter on something so that someone can rap over this part and then you don't have, it's a more simple pattern or some shit. Um, that's kind of what I've taken con- into consideration. Like if it's just kind of, if it's a dope sound, but there's not enough to it where it needs something else added. Um, and I don't really add instruments to my short but sweet tracks that often, the most of those are just like, they're so complete once I've made the beat that I'm like, this is a song in itself. So I'm like cool with it as it is. Cause I don't really go back and like, do half of the work at the beginning and then do with the second half of the work on the B at the end. I mean, sometimes I like very rarely, but most of the time, like any of the tracks that I put out, those are usually made within an hour or two. Like the song is like made almost entirely and from like scratch. And then I'll go back and maybe reorganize it. But pretty much everything's done right then. Cause I'm like hooked on it. Like, again, I'm just like, this is the shit I got to make this right now. And I'm feeling this and like, got to get this in here. got to do this here. And then like, make sure everything's laid out. And then I yeah. fucking listen to it a hundred times. <laughs> For sure. I'm sure that's uh beneficial in some way too, to <clears throat> maybe like just kind of be done with it. Yeah. After I, that, I can't like, I often know that like, if I have a sample that I'm like, Oh man, this is really dope. And a lot of the times, you know, if I'm working with dollar G and I'm, he's like, Oh man, this is super cool. And I'm playing the loop a few times. And I'm trying to get drums on it. And I'm like, nah, fuck this. And then I go to a new one. He's like, no, that was dope. I'm like, nope, not going. And it's and it's a point of no return at that point. I'm not going to struggle. And sometimes I'll go back through. I'll send my loops to other people or I'll go back through and maybe try to do new drums. But most of the time, that's the graveyard at that point. Like if I have like, if I haven't really gotten anything on it, I just go to a new one. It's fucking scratched. You know, it's done for. <laughs> have you found that working with other artists has informed the way that you, you work at all? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, n- not really, at least with rappers, because I kind of, you know, they kind of let me do my own thing. But I will say, like, the when I worked with uh, Salt Fiend and did that, like, the sweet and salty thing, that was interesting because that was just his drums and my samples. So all I did was just add samples over his drums and do every, work around those, like, um not even restructuring his tracks so that was really me almost working like a session like a session musician type Uh, thing like a studio because i was like 
playing it from beginning to end. I would play the beat, and, and I wouldn't like, um, what do you call it? I can't even think of it. When you're in a studio and you like, um, when you like chop, a, when you jump in audio with your like, what is it called? Why can't I think of it? <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm talking about, everyone. So like, I did, I would never like jump into the middle of the recording. I would start at the beginning of the song for sure, record the whole time. And like do my samples live the whole time, so it was okay. like a very interesting, cool like live feel. Like you're not going back and doing overdubs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get it at the very end. There's some, there's some word, um, like that we use, we use like you know, like I, I rappers use all the time. Anyway, not important. But yeah, that was like the one time where I was really out of my element and did something really different, um, production wise and kind of worked around other people's stuff otherwise it's mostly me sending beats to people and sometimes they'll sometimes they won't even use the stems they'll just bounce the wave and do a whole like song over one beat and i'm like you could have done so much more with this sometimes (laughs) i'll send them like just my stems and i think the beats kind of like whack or like i think it's okay but i'm like i really hope it sounds better and then they like send it to some producer and it's absolutely amazing and they like just make it sound so much better than I did originally. And um, so, yeah, it's always really interesting to just have that happen. But I, again, going back to the, you know, trying not to mix and master all my own stuff, it's interesting to, like, have someone else have their own take on your music and, like, do their own. And, like, that's why I like having my homies that like my music do my mixing because they know how my shit sounds usually and they know how, like, they can make it sound doper. So, um yeah, man. I mean, I think it all sounds really fat. Like, I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of these tracks that I throw in my DJ library for sure. Like, yeah. the instrumentals are, are really dope, dude. Also, I don't know, did you play the uh, airplane mode instrumental? Did you Have you heard the remix, the one? Oh, I have not heard the remix. So I've you, only heard the instrumental. Okay, so that instrumental is actually from a remix I did for this dude, Mega Ran. Have you heard of Mega Ran? No. Um, he's a, uh, a super dope rapper that I think he's out of Phoenix. Um, he's the first rapper ever like sponsored by Capcom. Oh wow! <laughs> he's, he's like got that you know, Street Fighter he's, endorsement. He's what you would call a nerdcore rapper. You know, that's a it's okay. an iffy term in in their world. You know, <laughs> whether or not they want to use that term. But if you want to describe it, it'd probably be nerdcore. But he is super dope, and he. Uh, um, I don't know how. I think some of my my Idaho homies, my Idaho friends, like put me on to Mega Ran because they were also uh, like video game type rappers. These guys dedicated servers out of Boise. Um, shout out to them. So they put me on to Mega Ran, and I like was like, "Yo, I got to remix one of these songs from your new album." Like the whole thing's really dope. And he just sent me all these acapellas, and I excuse me. And I flipped that, or I flipped one called Airplane Mode, and it's just about him, you know, turning off his phone, going on the airplane, and also just, you know, turning off the negative shit in general, I think is what the song is about, too. And so he uh, hit me with that acapella, and I made that remix for him, and he, like, released it just, like, on, like, SoundCloud or something. Um, But that was really dope, because he's one of those people that like I fucked with for a long time and just hit him up randomly. I was like, Hey, you think I could do this? And he's like, yeah, man, well, let's do it. And, um, uh, so yeah. And the beat was so dope that I just put the beat out by itself on that 
uh, EP. So if you want to go find the one with the rap on it and it really accompanies it nicely, yeah, it's on Bandcamp. Hell yeah. I will definitely, I will definitely be checking that out. <laughs> and uh, I would encourage people to check out all the music that you have up, man. You got a lot of, a lot of tunes for people to check out. And I think it's, uh, it's all really great stuff to listen to if you're, you know, like you said, if you're doing something, you just have some beats playing in the background, yeah. cleaning the house, yeah. whatever you're doing around the house, you know, if you're cruising, taking a walk, this is, this is good, good music for it, for sure. And honestly, I bump my own tunes a long time, like probably, you know, the first month that I put a project out, I'll play it all the time. Mainly to get myself some Spotify plays, but <laughs> but no, but to like because I just like the way it sounds, and I think my friend Jake Giddens said something uh, recently that like on social media that I was like I totally think so too. He was like, "Is it just me or does your music sound better on Spotify than like just listening to it otherwise?" And I was like, I, I, "I don't know, but I feel like it does," which can't make sense because it's got to be <laughs> somehow being down processed or some shit, you know, but um. But yeah, I like listening to my music on Spotify and just like being like, yeah, I made this, you know, I, I, I will gas myself up in my own head, but that's the most. You got to, man. You got to. Um, I think, yeah, I, I just really appreciate all the different instrumentation you use and especially a lot of the keys that you use yeah. are, are really great, man. Like that's why I wanted to play. Um, that's beautiful at the top of it. That was one of the songs that I'm like, ah, oh, the keys on this are just so so great. I love it. I um, love it. And do you think like doing something like the uh, sweet and salty kind of makes you want to do more of those collaborations, like more things like that 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 challenge you? Oh yeah. In those ways, where you're, you know, maybe just working on, in, you know, you're. You're kind of strapped into something else and you don't have all the freedoms, I guess. Yeah. And I kind of like, and you know, I even like offered out to him. I'm like, you know, we should definitely do this, but I can also, you know, I got the guy that can mix it and everything and I can take, I, I want to do the art. Cause I really like doing the, uh, like I've done all the artwork for all those. Like I like, I really like doing like the Photoshop shit. So I'm all about it. So I was like, I'll do the art. I'll get the mixing and mastering done, you know? Um, and he was down with like, splitting all that but i was like honestly you know this is the type of shit you know i'm planning on in the future i already have like some things in the mind that i'm like reaching out to people um to like or that i plan on reaching out to people like make eps and be like hey here's my proposition here's like a pack of beats um you know if you would be down to make an ep you know i'll do the i can make the art i'll i'll get the mixing mastering taken care of and all that shit but like if you just be down to like do the art the the like making the music part of it so i'm like kind of like after just doing that with ed with uh salt fiend and him being you know so down and like it and it built it you know we really never knew each other that well beforehand and we you know built a friendship through that so that was really dope so i'm hoping to you know do some more projects like that and actually today i just sent out do you know mike mo beats Mike I do Mo. know Mike Mo. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was also playing at Park Rent, uh, Park Bench Rhythms. He was playing that the the Doom Poster set. He had his friend Amanda yeah, playing the set, yeah. and he was out in the audience. I love that dude's beats, though. Um, Amazing. I, fe I featured his beats on um, one of the volumes of No Justice, No Peace that I did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and hoping to hoping to get him on the mics 
to do an episode here pretty soon too so definitely shout out to mike mo beats oh yeah those beats so i just sent him a bunch of stuff today so we're hoping i was like dude we should just do an a whole ep why not so if if that ends up happening you heard it here first because we were just talking about it yeah that's um that's rad man yeah i think i mean i think it's dope too if you if you like doing that other stuff you're kind of making it easy for whomever you're collaborating with exactly to be like yo you just have to show up for the music part and that's and that's and the one give thing approvals on these things and i'll what, take care of it like i'm so obsessed with this hip-hop shit that like all i do is listen to hip-hop and then listen to hip-hop podcasts so when i listen like i you know i listen to these podcasts and they always say you know they're like make sure you know you're bringing something to the table don't be asking for something you need to bring something to the table so like that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to i'm like i'm offering you these beats and like i'll like get all this other stuff done but like you know we just you know you just add your artistic skill to it do you listen to that blueprint podcast yes super dude tough work most infamous hell yeah absolutely man i don't i i'm i won't say that i'm a religious listener but anytime i've tuned in he's been great and i um found out about it because i saw him when he was here a couple of years back oh yeah and uh yeah that's a great podcast what are some other good hip-hop podcasts oh man well um the open mic eagle one with prince paul what had happened was that one's on spotify that one's that really one's dope new? yeah the season just ended um okay but that one's really dope it's like all stories of prince paul's like life stories um so i hope he does like another i hope open mic does like another season with like another dope like legendary hip-hop artist um that one's really dope what else am i listening to um I listened to Felipe's Garage, which is like some homies down in California cookbook. He was in uh, L.A. Symphony, and then like some of his homies, uh, they all run a podcast. And like, so I listened to them. And you know, Illmind used to have one. Illmind, the producer, he had the Blap Chat. That was a a running hip hop podcast. Man, I'm trying to think of like what ones I listen to now. There's not a whole lot. But I really only listen to the. I'll listen to comedy podcasts though too. Sometimes mainly just because stand-up comedy kind of like relates. Like there's a lot of parallels with like being a, a solo hip hop artist and being like a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So I can find a lot of parallels in like people talking about that stuff. For sometimes. sure. Yeah, I mean, I think stand-ups are just obviously naturally great at hosting podcasts for the most part too. Yeah. They're the most interesting people to have to listen to usually for exactly. an hour yeah. or two you know <laughs> so yeah i was just curious about any other any other hip-hop podcast you know i should be uh checking out so yeah. i will uh definitely i've been meaning to check out that open mike eagle one oh for sure it dropped but yeah i love i love some of those conversations that uh that blueprint has on there oh yeah those are really solid and actually i just ordered i pre-ordered his new book he's got like the 10 traits of a successful hip-hop artist or something like that and like you know i just know that all of his podcasts are really dope and i know and you know honestly i don't read as much as i should so it's really rare for me to buy a physical book so i was like <laughs> i'm gonna do this i'm in the i'm in that same boat and i actually bought when i saw him here in portland i uh i picked up the book that he has about all of his craziest tour oh, experiences. What a night. Yeah, yeah, what a night. Yeah. And it's it's like such a fun read, especially if for somebody that's not a super 
well-read person <laughs> yeah it's like it, it's very easy to just like pick up and read a couple of them they're only like a few pages each it's great yeah that's in that's what i'm looking for is like a podcast in book form <laughs> <laughs> well right on man i appreciate you uh doing this hanging out and talking to me about your tunes and yeah. where you come from and whatnot it always uh it's always nice to uh to get that part of the picture after diving into the music so heavy for like, sure i feel like it builds a different attachment to it post that you know just understanding it a little bit better oh but yeah i uh like i said i've been i've been digging the fuck out of it and i would encourage people to check out all of it and uh i want to play something off that that sweet and salty project yes um that's that sherbert and salt fiend um how'd you miss how'd you meet Smythe? um because he's on this track that we, we're gonna play it out with we played a beat happening did some sort of like open table thing where i was like hey come through with your machine with your drum machine and and we'll put in a slot for you and um we both played there and oh man I must have known who he was beforehand or vice versa or something. Cause we ended up like, you know, talking or maybe he just thought the beats were dope or I thought his beats were dope. I swear that we knew who one of one or the other were. Anyway, we started talking and his huge influence is also people under the stairs. So we just went straight bugging, like deep diving, talking about fucking people under the stairs. <laughs> um, and that was like, just what clicked with us. And, um, yeah, that must've been, I mean, cause that was maybe two years ago, maybe one or two years ago. I don't know. I can't keep track of what concept of time is anymore. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't too long ago. And uh, that friendship just really clicked, too. Like, that was just a genuine thing where I was like, dude, you are, like, I feel like he is a very much, like, a mirror image of me. Like, everything that, like, we talk about, like, we, you know, oh, yeah, and that Aesop Rock album, this and that. Oh, yeah, man, exactly this and that. And, like, <laughs> we just have the exact same feelings on everything. And, uh it's just been dope like to go like come to him with with things you know i when i was thinking up cold chilling i like came and like sat down with him and i was like here's these ideas i have like what do you think is dope what do you think is not a dope idea all this stuff um and yeah he's he's always been like a very uh wise artist to to like be able to work with and go to uh he i've i've hung out with that dude twice now one time being at your park hang and the other time of he and I doing this podcast maybe about a year ago, and he's one of the nicest fucking dudes I've ever met in this Absolutely. City. Like, he is super kind, and, yeah, I'm stoked that I showed up that day to uh, get to meet you, man. This yeah, has man. been super rad. Lined so, up perfectly. Um, we're going to play it out, though, with that Archfiend's Metropolis, which features Smythe killing it on the mic and uh i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh follow along with what you're doing and hope hopefully you can uh return to to having your monthly here at some point you know if we uh ever get to gather inside places again yeah if anything we'll figure out some sort of uh mass i don't know 
bonfires at George, some sort of heated U-Haul. Right? Uh, I don't know, uh, something like that. But yeah, it'll hey. be it'll be dope once uh, everything's back to normal. And either way, you know, I'm still gonna put out music in between, and then I'm. But I will be excited to start playing shows and going to shows soon. Yeah, man, you got a lot to keep up with. It's you. You put out a lot of music in the last couple of years. It's been all right. There's been people that put out more. <laughs> That's all I think is when I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I feel like I put out, I put out like two projects in the last year. I'm like, I mean, it's whatever. It's not a whole lot of songs on them. And that's just all I think to myself. It's you could have done more, but I'm happy with like the amount that I put out and all that. And You're honestly, thing, man. there was another album that was up on Spotify for a little bit called Scoop Loops. That was like 20 Sherbert beats. And uh, I took it off Spotify. It's still on Bandcamp. It's like free beats that, like, if you hit me up, I'll give you the stems. They're just, just okay. take them if you're an artist. Um, but, like, I didn't, I just don't fuck with the beats enough. Like, as like, I'm like, I don't need these on Spotify. So I took them off. I was like, these don't need to represent me as like a musical artist. I put them up as like a, hey, for other artists, take these and continue to do something with them. So, so there's still also that little bonus album out there on Bandcamp if you want to go find that. <laughs> right on, man. We end every episode of the podcast with the guest, the guest, the guest rather, of the of the show saying the tagline for the podcast, which is, "It's a program." So if we could get the Sherbert, it's a program. We can properly sail this thing out. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. Yeah, Sherbert. Links are in the episode notes. I uh, hope everybody's doing well out there, staying safe, wearing your goddamn mask, not being a racist. And uh, we're going to play it out with Arch Fiends, Metropolis. Peace. And that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Portland Live. From I don't know what's going on. Sherbert. Sawfiend, what up? Yeah. Crushing defeat BJC's by the clutch of the beast Left stuck and displeased Mark Twaining through that On a monopia from an arm flailing tube man Whoosh Beneath the fleet of Zubat Some see an eagle pledge allegiance Keep a bootstrap Blame it on youth slack Let karma deploy With step ladder in the passions of a hobble to hoy Knock knock The void play possum Fecal fire on its porch Rotate cockpit Most no days I Flow way offered Globalized Gotham Join rates rocket Ooh you wearing a vest, I wanna slash your facsimile to marionettes We all errant at best Except old dudes who stole souls of gold just to hoard loot Those ghouls, clean your clocks, convince besiege thieves, stampede the populace Triple beam dreams guarantee the box to fit But each dime new ponds plead the plot to twist I don't know. Check it out. But is it really seeing more than sunken in a wonderland with upper hand on keeping score? Dream decor organically designed by Miss Vices. Crumbles by the bundles, Walt White slide the rice in. Writhing in the need to cook, better all art makers. Sucking sullen gulches, better call salt shakers. 
To dubs it on our hot takes And make our brazen snot glaze over every cop's face Dog straight We skidded at the impishness Knackering the hidden gifts from witches in the wilderness Paddling this abattoir Sifting for the limitless Kept into the practice squad scrimmage in a thimble rig Pick it when they pivot in the pigskin is so food Absconder over yonder Slip a garment from the cloakroom Harbingers a costume Barking under foam moons Wander with no amulets Hope common sense will opium No rules Arch fiends metropolis With his feet to clean The measly operands Seems each scene seen Tease the awkwardness But kings and queens Breed Weasley confidence A chess game Chess game Chess game That's all it is, you know In which there are no arms Couldn't be there From master plan Yeah Directing man To something more <laughs> I don't know It's a program.